and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So today we are wrapping up our series on prayer. And for me, I really hope that this has been beneficial to you because it certainly has for me. Because I realize that there is a spectrum when it comes to prayer, uh, conversations with God. And, and this has been a, a series where, where Jesus has presented to us a, a model for praying, not just some repetitive mantra that we just say over and over and over again and we're like, okay, I've said it, now I'm done, move on. But it's a prayer that helps us remind ourselves, what is our focus in life? What is our posture towards God? How do we continue to focus upon him in the midst of all things? And so hopefully, week by week, uh, there has been a next step for you. Now, if you're just jumping in for the very first time, um, you can jump back and you can watch this series and start to see, okay, how does this idea of prayer, of talking to God, become a reality in all of life? Today, we're, we're, we're wrapping up the prayer. And, and Jesus lands at a rather interesting place, uh, a way for him to, in many ways, wrap up the prayer with what I would suggest is almost a warning that, that if we're not aware of what Jesus is about to say, that everything else we have prayed and wanted in our life can fall off the rails. So what is it? Well, let's, let's jump back into the prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. Give, give us a little bit of a refresh and then look at what is the warning that Jesus is giving to us to be aware of that can take our focus off of God. Let's jump in. Jesus says this, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What Jesus has done brilliantly is he has reminded us that when we pray, that when we have conversations with God, we don't immediately come with our needs and our agenda and what's going on in our lives, but but we refocus our attention on God, that we pray in a way that we desire to build his kingdom, to follow his will and not our own, that, 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 that we look for ways to, to re be reminded that, that God is not only the one who provides, but God is the one who pardons us from the brokenness and the sin in our world. And then Jesus ends with a warning. The one thing in the midst of life that can so easily derail not only this prayer, but ultimately our faith and relationship with him. And in one word, it's temptation. Going down the wrong path. It's why Jesus at the very end of his prayer says in the midst of all of this, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. I really hope we don't miss the significance of this. You know, one of the greatest invitations that, that Jesus gives to people, that when people suddenly become interested in him, is not simply believe in me, but rather follow me. This, this prayer is, is Jesus expanding that reality of, of this invitation to come and follow him, to, to give our lives to him. Jesus doesn't just simply say, believe in me. 
know a lot about me, but rather follow me. Take my direction. Allow me to guide you in the midst of all of life. And that's why Jesus says at the very end, we need to talk about, we need to be aware of, we need to pray about the reality of temptation. Why? Because Jesus at the end says, and deliver us or rescue us from the evil one. The evil one, Satan, the devil, which whichever term you want to throw at it as it's used in various ways throughout the Bible, is the one who wants to take us off the path of following Jesus. The Bible refers to him as the deceiver, as the father of lies. And, and his ultimate purpose is to make sure that that we don't live our lives in the ways of Jesus. That this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is not the reality of our lives. That we don't focus on God. That we don't worry about building his kingdom. That we don't follow his will. That, that we don't think that God is the one who actually provides. I mean, we can do it ourselves. And sin, let's not worry about sin, right? He wants to deceive us. He wants to trick us. He wants to lead us down a path that gets us away from following Jesus and what's his greatest play? Not scaring us, but ultimately, I believe the greatest play of the evil one is temptation. Luring us down a path that at first may seem innocent, may seem like it's not that big of a deal. Doesn't look like it's going to affect or harm anyone, but ultimately, it leads us off the path of following Jesus. As I, as I think about temptations, I, I, I had this image of, of fishing. Now, I am the first to admit, I am not a great fisher person. I, I don't love fishing, to be honest. But, but one of the family traditions that we have every year is we go to a cottage and... Friends of my parents are incredibly generous and they, they give us a cottage for the week. And one of the evening activities that seems to happen most nights is because the kids love it when they're young is going to the end of the dock and fishing. Now, again, amateur fishermen don't know much about it, but I do know this, that, that when you go fishing, you use different lures to catch different fish. Try not to hook myself in the midst of this. That, that if you want to catch pike or you want to catch musky or you want to catch different types of fish, you use the right type of lure, the right bait. Because if you're not using the right bait, it doesn't work. Well, these are a little over the top for seven and eight year olds. And so what we use when we go fishing is we just get good old fashioned hooks, a bunch of worms, throw it off the end of the dock, and then you literally start pulling in these little rock bass over and over and over again. The kids love it. There's lots of squeals. There's lots of excitement. There's lots of look at all we've caught. But what amazes me is you catch the fish, you take the fish off, you throw it back in the water, you rebate the hook, you throw the hook back in the water, and the stinking fish goes for the bait again, over and over and over Again, I don't know about you, but it provides a great image in the midst of temptation. The reality that, that so often something that, that to the fish seems so good, seems so shiny, seems so delightful, it has incredible danger. It has a hook. 
and ultimately leads potentially to death. I wonder how much we too are like fish when it comes to temptations. That there are things in life, oftentimes the good things in life, that can begin to lead us down a dangerous path. And Satan, the evil one, knows this. What's amazing is the fact that so often many of the good things in life are the very things that God has created, that God has given to us for a sense of pleasure and enjoyment and fulfillment, but within a certain set of bounds. Yet what do we do? We think we know better. We push the bounds. We, 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 we go to the places where God never intended us to go. And it leads us down a path of destruction. Jesus knows this, which is why he tells us to pray, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. When I think of temptation, I realize that for all of us, we are tempted in different ways. That the things that that may lure us or bait me away from following Jesus are probably not the same as you. But as I think more and more about temptations, I think oftentimes they fall into two general categories. Gratification and identity. That oftentimes we are tempted by, by, by the things that bring us pleasure in life. And again, remember, these are the good things that God has given to us. Pleasure of enjoying wealth, of recreation, of food. I mean, have you ever thought, if, if, if food was just about sustaining our body, then, then why did God make it taste so, so good? Or sex. I know that's, that's that one word that often we're like, oh, wait a second here. Can we even talk about that in church? Absolutely. Why? Because that was given to us by God. Not just simply to, to, to procreate. Not just simply to, to, to have babies. If, if, if it was, then, then, then why would it be pleasurable? Why would God give us something that was so good? You just see where I'm going, don't you? Oftentimes we take the good things that God gives to us. And we make them the ultimate. We push them beyond the bounds of what God intended. Sex is the perfect example. Sex was given to us by God as an intimate act in the bounds of marriage. Yet what do we do? We make it the ultimate. We make it the place of seeking ultimate pleasure and gratification and satisfaction. And so we take it, we use it, and we abuse it in the form of casual sex, adultery, a multi-billion industry of pornography. And it seems so subtle. It seems so innocent. It seems so good. Yet it's a hook. And it leads us down a path of stepping away from Jesus. And listen, this is nothing new for you and me. This has been going on for the very history of this world. In the Old Testament, a guy by the name of King Solomon writes about it in the book of Ecclesiastes, where essentially he says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Now, now you would think those would be the words of a guy who was bitter about life, who maybe was hard on his luck, who didn't have any of the pleasures of life. Not the case. 
He was the king of Israel. He was the most powerful and successful guy out there. He had everything. He had more money than he could count. He had more wives than he could count. He, he enjoyed it all. He threw the best parties ever, but he realized there was a sense of meaningless in all of it. And I think we kind of figure that out too, don't we? Maybe in smaller ways. That when we make gratification the ultimate goal in our life, when we go down the path of temptation, we realize that temptation is an appetite that can never be served. We start with a little, and then we want more, and then we want more, and then we want more. That can be sex, that can be food, that can be money, that, that can be so many things. It's why Jesus says, Pray, don't let yourself yield to temptation, but be delivered, rescued from the evil one. Second area of temptation is probably one that, that maybe even more of us struggle with, and that is a sense of identity, a sense of who we are, a sense of self-worth, a sense of what is life all about anyways. And so what do we do? Satan begins to, to whisper in our ears, if, if you want to be someone, then, then, then you must be super successful. You must have a successful business or a successful family or successful in sports or successful in arts or in music or whatever it may be. And suddenly our identity is found in our success. Now, does God not want us to be successful? Is, is that the answer? No, not at all. But he doesn't want us to take the idol of success and make it the ultimate in our lives. This is the trend throughout the Bible. We step off the rails, we give into temptation when we make the good things that God has given to us the ultimate. That's why Jesus says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Read the Bible. Read the headlines in the news. Read your own personal journal. And the places we so often go off the rails can start so small, can seem so subtle, but we've been lured. We've been baited to make the good things of this life the ultimate. And God never gave us the good things in this life to make them the ultimate. He gave us the good things in life to remind us that he is the good father. He is the giver of all good gifts and that we use the good things in this world as a means of honoring and praising him. Okay, okay, so, so what do we do? Well, there's, there's one camp that says, well, then absolutely, we must just avoid all good things in life. The pleasures, we should have none of them. Don't enjoy food. Don't enjoy success. Don't do any of this. Stop doing everything. And oftentimes, that's the message that, that people think that Jesus is giving or that the church is, is saying. That's not the reality. Because if these are the givers, if, the, if all these good gifts have been given to us by God, then, then it almost seems kind of cruel for God to say, I'm going to create these amazing things in this world, but I don't want you to touch any of them. 
It's like me coming home to my little kids with a box of donuts and telling them how delicious these donuts are and, and how amazing they are and how other people would love them, but they can't have any, right? That, that's just cruel. But at the same time, I'm going to say, here's a box of donuts. You can have one. Don't gorge yourself on the donuts. And so often that's what God is doing as well. He doesn't want us to avoid the good things in life, but he wants us to recognize that God has created bounds for us in terms of how we use them, how we enjoy them in a way of honoring him. The second response to temptation is, okay, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. That there, there's good things in life, but I'll just, I'll just develop some greater self-discipline. This is all about me. And again, wrong answer, right? Because then it's all about just us trying to figure it out on our own. Jesus doesn't just give us the good things in this world and then say, okay, you know what, hands off, figure it out. He gives it to us for a reason and a purpose. And that is as a means of following him. Back to that invitation, and it seems so simple, but it's profound and it'll change your life. It'll change how you respond to temptation. When you start to look at how can I live my life in a way of following Jesus, of ultimately honoring him. It means that no matter how good something in this world may be, I will not make it the ultimate. I will not make it my master. It will not become the one that I serve. There's a small group that I'm a part of called Beer, Books, and Banter. So that's what we're about. We read a book, we talk about the book, and we do it while having a beer. Great group, love the group. As a bit of an aside, if you're not a part of a small group, this is a great way to learn how to live out your faith. But this past fall, we've been working through a book by Tim Keller called Counterfeit Gods, and it deals with the whole reality of how oftentimes we take the good things in this world and make them the ultimate. And in doing so, it, doesn't, it not only derails our faith, it derails our lives as well. And so we've talked about money. We've talked about sex. This past week, we talked about success. And for me, when I think about what lures me away from God the most, it's the idol of success. Do you know this lure is called the red, little red devil? Yeah, rather appropriate. For me, the little red devil in my life is success. Too often I can find great pleasure in the success. When I was younger, it was sports. It can be family. It can be the church. What starts to happen is suddenly success begins to tell me that I'm a somebody, that my sense of identity is found in my accomplishments and my achievements. I need to be aware of that lure, of that temptation, that success does not become the ultimate in my life. Now hear me out. I'm not telling you not to be successful. I don't think Jesus wants me to say, well, you know what, um, success is a real trigger point in my life, and so I'm just going to be lackadaisical. 
I'm just going to kind of phone it in. I don't want to be successful. I don't want to be a successful husband or a successful dad or a successful pastor. No, 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 no. Because that too is not honoring to God and Jesus would have something to say about that as well. But if I look at my success as a means of following Jesus, of honoring Jesus, it looks different. Suddenly, how I am as a father, as a dad, as a pastor, is not so much about how successful am I, but rather how faithful am I. Am I being faithful with the things that God has given me in a means of honoring and serving him? So to flip the switch, my focus is on being faithful, not necessarily successful. Because Satan loves to use success as one of the ultimate baits. I mean, really, how do you measure success? What does it even look like? So let's wrap up. What's our, what's our takeaway? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm making an assumption. I'm not looking at you thinking, well, maybe you struggle with temptations. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> we all do. And so the first thing is, is recognize where are you vulnerable? What is your lure? What is your bait? What is the, the one area, the, the good thing in life that has the capacity to get you off track with God. It could be in what you seek ultimate pleasure in. It could be an identity. It could be success. It could be in having the, the perfect family. It could be in, in, in how much money you amass. Take a bit of an inventory and say, are you making something that is good the ultimate. Perhaps you need to pray the prayer, Jesus, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And then name it. What is the thing in your life that may be getting you off track from following Jesus? The second thing is then not to avoid that completely, but rather, how do you make that a means of focusing back again upon Jesus? To put another way, how do you make Jesus the ultimate in your life? And so if you're at school, if you own a business, if you are amassing wealth, if you want to have a great family, those are all good pursuits, but how do you do them in a way that is honoring Jesus. It's gonna look slightly different for all of us, but I know this one thing is true. It means you don't make it the ultimate in your life. You use it as a way of honoring Jesus. And maybe your prayer becomes, God, how can I be more faithful to you in my business, in my home, with my finances, whatever it may be. Bottom line is this. Jesus tells us to pray the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because he is a good God. He knows what is best for us. And he is so good that he has given us great things to enjoy in life. 
but he doesn't want us to make them the ultimate because that leads us down a path away from him and towards ultimate destruction. This week, this week, just take some time. Allow this, these final words to, to really play out in your life because if you want this prayer to become a part of who you are, then we need to step away from temptation to recognize the places where we can get lured away from making God the ultimate focus in our life. I know for me, the tagline is, God, may I be faithful and not ultimately pursue success. Let me pray. And so, Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you are our Father, the giver of all good gifts. I ask Jesus that, that this prayer is not just simply words that I speak, but the reality that I want to live. That if I truly want to focus on you, if I, if I truly want to build your kingdom and follow your will, then I need to be aware of the blind spots of temptation. The places that can lure me away from you. I pray for those that are watching or those that are listening. God, that you would speak into all of our lives. Maybe this week, identify those areas in our life that are taking us down the wrong path and preventing us from ultimately following you. May we not yield to temptation. May you protect us from the evil one. May we focus completely on you and make you the ultimate in our lives. For we ask it all, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Now may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious towards you. Now may the Lord grant his peace to be upon you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. 
And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.